It's 1130 here at KRBN on the third day of November, which means it is time for midday. Jason Jorgensen will join me here in a moment, followed by Bob Brogan. Of course, today is Election Day. Get out and vote if you have not already. But we do have a big day planned, a lot of feature interviews as well here on KRVN. So let's get things started, as always, with Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of what's to come. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. Shaley kicks everything off at 1219 as she speaks with Casey McCarthy on the November Beef Watch series. Then at 1245, I'll talk with Stan Garbutz and Steve Nelson. Stan has been named this year's Silver Eagle Award from the Nebraska Farm Bureau. And then Alex wraps everything up at 117 on the NCF annual celebration. That's a midday on this election day from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Let's turn it over to sports. Jason Jorgensen, and uh, what do we have going on in sports right now? I mean, there's not a lot today, I suppose. No, but we're working up. We're cross. Our fingers are crossed that Nebraska gets to have a football game on Saturday against Northwestern. Wisconsin, meanwhile, will not. Yeah, so where it goes. Now, I did see something that if Wisconsin does have one more game canceled, even if they go undefeated 5-0, and per se, or 6-0, and Whatever it is. You, they have to have six games, and they can't represent the West, apparently, in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, so it, it may come back <laughs> to bite them. But that's kind of how, the, when the Big Ten tried to compress everything right. and put everything together, I mean, that schedule looked fine. It looked like it would work out great unless you had a team come up with an outbreak, and that's what happened to uh, Wisconsin. There was just no flexibility for no. any wiggle room. If, if somebody did get sick, okay, let's have a makeup game later on. So that was probably, obviously, one of the downfalls with this late schedule. But as all the teams knew, and all the student-athletes knew, this is uh, what's at risk uh, if you're going to play this late in the season. And you needed to be careful, and you try, and you really needed to try to stay healthy. So uh, hopefully, once again, Nebraska-Northwestern will play. What a great series that has been since Nebraska has joined the league. There's been some nail biters and some high drama in all of those games. We'll hear from Coach Scott Frost about that particular matchup. Also, the MIAA decided this week they're going to push forward. They're just one of a handful of Division II leagues in the country that are going to try to play basketball in the first semester. So that means the Lopers would open up at home on November 19th against Emporia State. The Loper women should be really good. They return everybody with some talented newcomers from a squad that went 26-6. and six. Now, probably no non-conference games? Have no non-conference. Okay. They'll just start right with conference games uh, on the 19th against Emporia State. Now, the beautiful thing about basketball is you have so many dates that you have different wiggle room. If it doesn't work to go down to Emporia this time, well, you can make it work no. down the road. You have so many months. So they'll keep that Thursday-Saturday model that okay. they've worked with uh, in the past. Very good. One thing I'll miss about the game at Northwestern is seeing the sea of red. They're just outside of Chicago. <laughs> Nebraska always takes it over. Yeah, that, that won't happen this time, of course. I don't think any fans. Uh, let's turn it over to Bob. How are things looking here uh, in terms of stock on Election Day? Stocks are rallying today, uh, mostly because of the feeling that you know we've gotten here and Election Day is exciting to some people. The S&P 500 was 2.3% higher in trading, more than anything what investors for is a clear winner to emerge relatively soon from the election. But there's plenty of other things going on. The Federal Reserve is meeting this week and will be announcing um, a decision on Thursday on interest rate policy, at least we think it will, and so that's kind of semi-exciting as well. All right, thank you very much. That is Bob Brogan and Jason Jorgensen. 11.44 here at KRBN. 
Paul Perkins now joining me for our daily regional ag weather update. And beautiful temperatures so far. We're already seeing 70s. How about Holyoke, Colorado, though? 81 degrees. Goodness. They're they're living right there. <laughs> they are. Hey, I said it earlier, and I'm not kidding. I, I, if I'm voting for one thing today, is for these temperatures to stay around, uh, at least during the colder weather months. And, uh, I mean, this is great weather right now. Exactly. Uh, it's not often that you're going to see a six-day stretch of 70-degree-plus weather, because that is what we're looking at here from yesterday all the way through Saturday with highs at least 70 or better across the area. Now, just last week, our state low in Nebraska was 14 below at Alliance, and many of us were down into the single digits to the lower teens for morning lows just a week ago, and today now we are talking the potential of some near-record highs. That just doesn't seem <laughs> should be possible that you have those low of temperatures and only seven days later record highs, but we'll take it. Exactly, and right now those temperatures pretty much in the low 70s across area. We still have a few locations in the mid-upper 60s in uh, Kearney and Hastings, also portions of eastern Nebraska towards Omaha and Lincoln, also some low to mid-60s over southwest Nebraska. But once again, most of us in the low half of the 70s, and as Tyler mentioned, as warm as 81 already in the Holyoke area, 75 at Ray, Colorado. With that very dry air in place, we'll see some rapid warming for today. Also, the ridge of high pressure helping out in that uh, warming process today to give us our warmest day of the week with some near-record highs expected. We will see a low-pressure trough switch our winds around to the northwest for tonight with a few passing clouds. Those leftover high clouds for tomorrow may keep those temperatures down just a little bit from what they were today, but definitely warmer than normal once again tomorrow. Our temperatures for Thursday and Friday also will continue to be about 20 degrees warmer than normal. Just ahead of low pressure on Friday, we will see some breezy southerly winds kick in. Those stronger winds with humidity levels dropping to near 25% will make for near-critical fire weather conditions on Friday afternoon. Saturday likely to be another windy and warm day. Rain chances start to return by Saturday night into Sunday with the strong cold front, but the bigger change still to come on Sunday night into Monday. Much colder air dives south on Sunday night. That's going to drop our daytime highs on uh, Monday into the 30s, so enjoy what we're getting today. Also, something to watch, low pressure moving out of the desert southwest. That's always code for something that may be in the offing. That area of low pressure coming out of the desert southwest could swing a good bit of moisture northwards towards our area. With the much colder air already in place, the moisture and colder air combination could bring us some snow or a wintry mix for Monday into Tuesday. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are expected to be slightly cooler than normal for Sunday through November 16th. The worst of that colder air, though, just off to our west in the early half of November. Central Nebraska average highs are in the low half of the 50s with average overnight lows in the mid to upper 20s. The outlook stays active with above normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas. Early on next week, those precipitation chances start to drop off to near normal to slightly below normal by late next week through the 16th. Most of the U.S. will experience dry weather in the next five days. In the northwest, however, several disturbances will result in a turn toward cooler and wetter conditions. By late in the week, snow will blanket areas as far east 
as the northern plains. In advance of that western storminess, warm dry weather should allow corn and soybean harvesting to get near completion. Overall corn harvest in the U.S. 82% complete. Only Ohio has not reached the corn harvest midpoint. 87% of soybeans in the U.S. are harvested on the plains. The warm and southern weather also promoting winter wheat emergence and development. Drought, though, remains a concern in some areas. More than a fifth of the winter wheat rated very poor to poor in Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, and Texas. Well, today, if you're out voting, and hopefully you have by now, if you're going to be standing in lines, at least you'll have great weather. Yeah, no need for an umbrella <laughs> or a jacket today. It's record warm highs on into the upper 70s, still the low 80s. It, how much of Nebraska, or should I say the, of the listening area, I know we've already said Holyoke is at 81, but could potentially reach 80 today? I would say practically everybody. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, everybody uh, looking at those highs into the upper 70s to low 80s region-wide today. So everybody getting in on the nice weather. Beautiful. Not going to complain <laughs> about it. Uh, for more weather information, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much, Paul. 2020 has been a difficult year for everyone. And now producers turn their attention to next year and what the carryover will be as they set their budgets. On our next Rural Radio Forum, we'll delve into farm financing during the COVID pandemic. To understand the obstacles and strategies for 2021, we'll hear from decision makers across Nebraska. Dustin O'Hanlon of O'Hanlon Seeds in Lexington, Jason Smith of FM Bank in West Point, and Bruce Everly of Robo Bank. It's the Rural Radio Forum, November 17th, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain Time on KRB. The November Beef Watch webinar series kicks off tonight. I am Shaylee Peters, back with you on the Rural Radio Network. And here to visit with us about that is Casey McCarthy. She's a UNL cow-calf specialist. Casey, you guys officially start things tonight for November and then run throughout the month. And we're going to hear more about those uh, here in just a minute that are coming up a little bit later. Let's first find out about what exactly you guys will be covering in tonight's segment, which, by the way, people can still register for. Absolutely. Thanks, Shaylee. So tonight, Dr. Carla Wilkie from our Panhandle Research Extension Center will be uh, talking about dry lotting cows and how to feed them. And and her her main focus is going to be how we can manage those cows in a dry lot and, and really thinking about how we can meet their requirements through limit feeding um, and also thinking about some of those different stages and requirements uh, being uh, those demands from lactation and that nursing calf if we're thinking about maybe some fall cows in a dry lot scenario. So uh, Carla will be leading off tonight um, at 8 p.m. Central. And and then uh, the following talk uh, will be uh, on the 10th. Dr. Mary Dunowski will be talking about grazing corn residue and how long we can graze and when we need to be thinking about providing a supplement to those cattle that are out on corn residue. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Travis Molinix will be finishing up uh, our series of speakers on November 17th, thinking about how and why I should body condition score uh, my herd at weaning. And so uh, Travis will be covering how we can evaluate and utilize scores after weaning and into that calving season. And then... Uh, Something that's new uh, for our Beef Watch webinar is uh, our Beef Watch talk, which is a chat with the experts. So this session uh, is at the end of the month and gives uh, our viewers an opportunity to join and ask any questions they have, either related to the November webinars or maybe if they've got some questions they 
took a, a look at some of the, the past recordings for our October uh, webinars that we had. Um, and this is a great opportunity for, for anyone to discuss any ideas or, or questions related uh, to forage, maybe some cow-calf or stalker production opportunities. Let's get to the details for someone interested in registering for tonight's or throughout the month. Where can they do that? Also, um, is this free? And how long does the webinar, the presentation last? What does that look like? Absolutely. So uh, if you go to our unlbeef.edu website, uh, and then if you either backslash Beef Watch webinar series, or we have under the Beef Watch tab on our uh, website, you can click down on the Beef Watch webinar series uh, drop down button and you can find all of our information of upcoming webinars there, as well as any of the previous webinars with those links to the recording. Uh, these are free webinars and uh, what we try to do within each of the session is target about 20 minutes of presentation time with our with our speaker and then that opens up time at the end for discussion and opportunities to ask more questions um, or even give us some other topics that they'd like uh, to see in some upcoming webinars. All right, Casey, thanks for the information. Casey McCarthy, UNL Cow-Calf Specialist. Tonight is the official launch of the November Beef Watch webinar series. And again, more information, how you can register, get on and access all of these, beef.unl.edu or rollradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. The man to do the job, it's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska plays at Northwestern this Saturday. The Wildcats enter the game with a 2-0 record following a come-from-behind 21-20 win at Iowa. They were actually down 17-0 in that game in the first quarter, and head coach Scott Frost feels they look pretty good. You know, I've watched more defense than offense to this point. Uh, you know, they, they kind of whipped us on that side of the ball last year, and they look, they look the same or better this year. So, um you know, I, obviously their their offense, I think, so far through th- two games is uh, doing a lot better than they did last year and, and looks to be pretty good to me. The Huskers and Wildcats have a history of tight games in this series. Overall, since joining the Big Ten, Nebraska's won five of the nine matchups, and they're 3-1 and one at Ryan Field. Kickoff on Saturday is set for 11, and we will bring you the game right here on 880-KRVN. Well, UNK is still on track to begin their basketball seasons on November 19th at home against Emporia State. Head women's coach Carrie Amy says it's nice to have something to prepare for. You know, it's been really, really good for our kids to be back on campus and to be practicing and to have some level of normalcy um, in their days. Um, I know I've seen a lot of them um, just be just mentally and, and um, physically just better because they've had an opportunity to, to practice and and, uh, you know, play the game they love. And The Lobers return everyone from last year's squad that went 26-6. and six. The Creighton Blue Jays will now face South Dakota State and Sioux Falls to begin their season as the Jackrabbits replaced Utah in that 18 field. The Creighton men are 20-3 all-time against South Dakota State. They have not met the Jackrabbits since South Dakota State became Division One in 2008. And for her role in two GPAC victories last week, senior Tara Callahan Brady has been named the GPAC Sports Setter of the Week for Concordia University. This is the seventh time she's won this award in her career. 
Over last week's two straight wins over College of St. Mary and Doan, Callahan totaled up a combined 71 assists for an average of almost 12%. She also added 11 digs, two kills, and a couple of aces. That is a look at sports. For more, you can check that out anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Twelve twenty-eight here at KRVN. Let's take a look at our latest regional news. Almost said ag weather. <laughs> Goodness Not gracious! Quite. You would think that I would know where we're at here. Uh, this bottom, this portion of the hour. I think us uh, starting about a minute and a half threw me off it just enough. <laughs> that is uh, Ellen Simmons making fun of me, sitting across no, from me. Right. Uh, how's your Tuesday going so far? What's well, good? I voted and Very got good. that done and out of the way. So beautiful, beautiful. I've said this a couple of times. The listener is probably uh, over my stupid joke, but I said I voted for uh, great weather, like today, to stick around. <laughs> Yeah. For the next, it is uh, very nice out, though. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. These are days where I wish we could crack open the windows in here or, mm-hmm. like, uh, somehow take the roof off, you know? Especially this room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is stuffy, uh, sometimes stinky, uh, but that is uh, a different topic for another time. What do you have for us today? Well, Nebraska voters are again being asked to decide whether to allow casino gambling in the state. Nebraska has a long history of outlawing slot machines and table gambling, even as casinos have popped up in every state that borders it. A similar petition effort to get the question on the ballot in 2016 failed, and voters rejected casino ballot proposals in 2004. Opponents argue that casinos will lead to social ills such as crime, and bankruptcy fueled by gambling addiction. Supporters say those problems already exist in Nebraska because of easy access to neighboring states' casinos and that legalizing casinos in Nebraska would create jobs and a new source of state tax revenue. Governor Ricketts said during his Monday news conference that coronavirus vaccines will be free to all Nebraskans once available. Anybody who gets a vaccine will not have to pay for it that whether it's going to be Medicare, Medicaid, or your private insurance provider, all those costs will be picked up by those organizations. There will be no copay. There will be nothing like that. For people who get that vaccine, it will all be free to those folks. Governor Ricketts also highlighted an executive order he has issued to allow flexibility for polling places today. Election Day. One executive order allows county election commissioners the flexibility to use poll workers from outside of their own counties. The other is identical to an order the governor issued in May 2020 during a primary elections to make sure counties had sufficient resources to staff polling locations. Republican U.S. Senator Ben Sass will almost certainly coast to a second term on today thanks to the GOP's dominance in Nebraska and a scandal-plagued Democratic nominee who refused to withdraw even after his own party disavowed him. The same can't, excuse me, the same can't be said for Republican rep- Representative uh, Don Bacon, who faces a tough challenge from Democratic Carrie Eastman in the 2nd Congressional District encompassing Omaha and its suburbs. Bacon and Eastman are locked in a tight race and have saturated the airwaves with campaign ads attacking one another. Voters will decide those races and others in an election that has already seen strong early turnout be- because of the pandemic and aggressive get-out-the-vote campaigns. 
The Two Rivers Health Department recently adjusted their COVID-19 risk dial to the pandemic level or red level. Some school systems across the area have continued to create their own risk dials, including Holdridge Public Schools. Todd Hilliard, the superintendent of HPS, adds that while Holdridge health professionals continue to monitor the situation, the HPS risk dial will remain the same. Our guidance comes from our local health care providers, and we are still in the orange according to where they have us. However, um, you know, things are changing pretty frequently, and unfortunately things are peaking a little bit here recently. Hilliard continued that the next level in the Holdridge Public School risk dial would require all students to return to a completely online and virtual learning environment. You can find more news at krbn.com. Thank you very much, Ellen. The Nebraska Farm Bureau has selected Stan Garbus as the 2020 recipient of its highest honor, the Silver Eagle Award. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Stan served for 40 years in the Nebraska Department of Agriculture as Nebraska's Agricultural Trade Representative. Farm Bureau's President Steve Nelson describes him in a few words. Well, the first way I would describe Stan is that he's a gentleman. And that has been uh, one of the reasons that he's been so successful in in his career uh, representing Nebraska farm and ranch products all across the world. He's been able to use his his genuine caring for people uh, to build relationships with many, many nationalities and to demonstrate an understanding and a caring for what they need and at the same time uh, do an outstanding job of promoting those great products that we raise here in Nebraska. When it came to the decision to who would be this year's Silver Eagle Award, it sounds like it was, it was a pretty easy decision for you guys. Well, that's right. It would be hard to find someone who has done more for Nebraska farmers and ranchers. When you think about the billions of dollars of trade that has been uh, created and uses created for Nebraska products that are a result of the work that Stan has done. There's probably no one individual that that you could credit more for that. And In speaking with Stan Garvitz, I asked his reaction to being told he's the Silver Eagle Award winner. Well, it was always fun, and it's uh, it was kind of one of those things where, um, like when Steve said, uh, that, of course, the leadership, him and Mark, you know, were, were you know, very interested in doing this. But he said it was really the leadership. And, you know, it, it's the producers and it's the ranchers that do such a wonderful job producing a product that all you have to do is get somebody to try it and you got them. And it was always gratifying for me just to be able to know that I was hopefully helping them somehow. They're all wonderful people. As you took Nebraska agriculture and took it globally like you did. What was one of your key points when it came to introducing not only the product, but introducing Nebraska Ag? It was really, um, I'm kind of old school, and I'll I'll admit it, is that um, it was always having to kind of build up a relationship. Um, I can remember one of the first uh, visits to Vietnam uh, right after they um, opened up normalized relations with them um, what, 25, 30 years ago. And I was sitting um, with uh, some people, 
and they you know were interested in you know or at least the foreign ag service office of the usda set up this meeting and uh, they probably felt they had to meet with me and and i was talking to them about our uh, swine genetics and they just just lit into me i mean just blasted me because they'd had so many people come there from not only the united states but canada and europe and they'd sell them these hogs and they they sold them and then nothing happened they they never followed up with them and the hogs if you don't take care of any livestock the right way no matter if you have a good good one or a bad one they all end up going bad and so <laughs> i i learned a long time ago that you have to first develop a relationship so they can trust you and then in that case knowing exactly what do they want you know and what kind of products do they want and in that case, they wanted, you know, um, um, service after the sale. And so the first, uh, when we first started doing that, both in Vietnam and China, what we did with the producers is say, okay, when you price these hogs, you price them so that in that price you have money to either you or have somebody go and give um, uh, education to the nuts, to the owners but to the um, the managers and the workers there to know what what do you do with the these these this genetics now how do you use them how do you take care of them what do you feed them and that kind of thing and you do that a couple times you get a reputation that you know you're you're there to help them also and not just to make a sale and so um, uh, it was it was you know and I learned through that is you have to build a relationship you have to get them to trust you. And then uh, you never want to uh, have them doubt that trust again. But then um, you you just you just kind of go from there. And uh, the product is like I always told them. I says just try it. You know you got to try it. Whether it's the genetics, whether it was the beef, whether it was the dry beans at one point, uh, whatever the case may be. Is I says that it's a it's a good product. And you know come to me first when you're looking for something. And if I can't give you a high-quality product, I will help you find it somewhere else. And through those um, relationships that we got built, and then fortunately, you know, the word spread. And so that's how we kind of got ourselves in a position of having the first right of refusal for a lot of uh, industries, a lot of countries. That's my conversation with Stan Garbitz, this year's Silver Eagle Award winner. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. With today's business report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks have been rallying as Election Day finally arrives. The S&P 500 was 2.3% higher in morning trading. More than anything, what investors hope for is a clear winner to emerge relatively soon from the election. Treasury yields were climbing today. The election is dominating investors' attention, but plenty of other market-moving events are looming. The Federal Reserve is meeting on interest rate policy and will announce its decision on Thursday. Its earlier moves to slash interest rates to record lows and to step forcefully into bond markets to push prices higher have helped Wall Street soar since March. The planned stock market debut of the world's biggest online finance company, Ant Group, in Shanghai and Hong Kong has been suspended, disrupting a record-setting $34.5 billion initial public offering that highlighted China's recovery from the coronavirus pandemic. 
The Shanghai Stock Exchange cited regulatory changes in ants industry and a possible failure to meet disclosure requirements, but gave no other details today. French supermarkets are banned from selling flowers and books, but they can sell baby care products, according to a decree published today. It lays out new rules for what are considered essential items during a month-long lockdown effort to slow coronavirus infections. A half million people in the English city of Liverpool will be regularly tested for COVID-19 in Britain's first citywide trial of widespread rapid testing that the government hopes will be a new weapon in combating the pandemic. The government said in a statement that testing will begin later this week at sites throughout the city using a variety of technologies, including new methods that can provide results in an hour or less. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. Our journey has ended, and KRBN, The River, and Cami congratulate Rodney Barwick of Orleans. Awesome, awesome. Man, that just made my year. <laughs> this is great. He's the new winner of the 2020 Chevrolet Blazer, blazing new trails thanks to these sponsors. Lexington Regional Health Center, Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, with 43 locations serving Nebraska, Nutrien Ag Solutions, and Heartland Chevrolet in Buick, Lexington. Watch the giveaway on the Button Games page at krbn.com. Two Nebraska researchers within the Nebraska Food for Health Center are focusing their research on the human microbiome. And today we're joined by IANR Vice President and Vice Chancellor Mike Baim. Mike, before we dive into this topic, tell us a little bit uh, about the Nebraska Food for Health Center and its mission. Yes, certainly. Uh, the mission of the Nebraska Food for Health Center is to improve human health by linking gastrointestinal and biomedical research to agriculture. So what's going on in the human body and in human medicine research uh, to agriculture, to plants, to animals, uh, specifically to uh, animal breeding and genetics. Specifically, the Nebraska Food for Health Center focuses on that part of the human microbiome um, that we would refer to as the gut microbiome. So these are the bacteria that live inside our intestinal tract. To the Nebraska Food for Health Center, um, this is a group that started off also back in the early 2000s looking at the bacteria that are in our intestinal tract and really trying to understand if they understand what a healthy gut microbiome looks like, could they somehow manipulate that healthy microbiome to actually support or help us fend off disease, maybe um, something like diabetes or chronic digestive diseases like Crohn's disease, but also obesity, cancers, and even heart disease, uh, mental disorders, and even reducing our risk of infection. So bringing it back to Nebraska, Mike, how, how are Nebraska's researchers helping us understand this idea of the microbiome? So I'll talk about two professors, uh, Professors Jennifer Octon and Kurt Hapenbrink. Both are professors in the Department of Food Science and Technology. Uh, both Jennifer and Kurt and their teams are laser-focused on understanding how the gastrointestinal or gut microbiome contributes to human health. Ultimately, they hope to understand how the GI or gut microbiome contributes to our health and really uh, important. Uh, how these gut microbes uh, degrade uh, plant-based uh, materials, uh, food, plant-based foods, and how ultimately 
the metabolites that come from the digestion of those plant-based foods actually can help humans suffering with diseases and combat the spread of antibiotic resistance, just to name a few. Let's dive into that one a little bit because you kind of previewed how this research links to agriculture, but overall, what is the relationship between this microbiome research and agriculture? Yeah, so the the gut microbiome is colonized by all of these bacteria that keep us healthy. You know, much like a fingerprint, your gut microbiome looks different than my gut microbiome, but its makeup also has a lot to do with um, what we eat. Um, It also depends on um, what we were eating when, when we were kids. So the gut microbiome actually has a little bit of a memory. You know, by understanding the role that diet plays, in shaping the microbiome, we can actually then tie it nicely back to to the crops that we're growing. This gives us an opportunity to tie together agricultural production with human health in a way unlike uh, any other institution in the U.S. All right, great information. Thanks so much. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, not only is the weather out nice today in Chicago and across much of the Midwest, but we also see a fairly positive grain market on the day. What spurred these soybeans higher? Well, tough question, boy. I mean, weather continually being an issue. You know, it's little skirmishes here or there as far as scares, uh, you know, in Brazil. And, and really, it's just kind of a lack of move just to do anything, anything until we figure out what these numbers are going to be. So, you know, spec money kind of pushing things between, we'll call it 1070 and 1050. On the corn, you're like 392, 393-ish, all the way up to 410, we'll call it. And, uh, and on the wheat, really, like, you know, Chicago, probably up to 625 and, um, you know, $6 of support. So, so held those ranges all morning. Um, you know, we saw, obviously, risk on most of the evening session in, in Asia and Europe, but nothing followed through in the U.S. So uh, kind of a weak dollar, strong uh, commodity story going into tonight's numbers, and we'll see if it'll trade that way. I'd watch the euro if you're looking for any indicator of what's uh, what's going to happen. I think if the euro strengthens massively versus the dollar, that's probably a good sign for Biden. And then the opposite, if Trump would win, you know, you'd see that, that, uh, that euro really sell off. So keep an eye on that, you know, when the polls start to close tonight. And we look at those wheat markets here today. It looks like the Black Sea region is getting some rain, but is it a little too late with that as freezing temps are moving right in with that moisture? We can kill this crop 10 times, and you and I will both attempt to do that over the, over the winter. Um, Tunisia, Pakistan, some of the big, you know, those minor foreign importers, uh, Egypt, obviously the big one in, in North Africa, but some minor ones are still paying 260 270 uh, per metric ton for importing wheat, high, high pro. 12.5% was going for, I think, 285 with with freight into Pakistan. So those are much, much higher levels than we've seen in the last few years. So something's different this time. Um, I know China selection will certainly affect it, but I don't know long run here if, if um, you know, the, the, the story for grains is going to change much. You know, we're still in a little bit of a scarce mode, and uh, when it comes to, to soybeans, certainly the Chinese trade is going to be important. Stonex lowering their overall yields from their November 1 survey. Anything to the market? Oh, we saw that earlier uh, last night. Um, uh, I don't know what they're called now. Informa is, I'm, I'm always going to call them Informa. They came out with like a 175 yield. So they, everybody's pretty much dropping production uh, and uh, throwing some some good export numbers. And 
I think outside of ethanol, you look for demand to be supported in the coming USDA reports. So that's the tenth. Beyond this night, there's a lot more important things to, to grain markets in the near term. So don't get too uh, too excited one way or the other if the markets don't go your way. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this midday edition here on November 3rd. If you missed anything or want to go back and listen to any of our segments again, Go listen to our midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors, available at krvn.com and also on iTunes.